I'm here all day, alone with them, outnumbered. What about Carla? Doesn't she count? It's not her job to raise our children. I'm here, and then you come home and get to be the hero. You want me to bring home what I got at the office today? I'll put you through that window. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of A Thing Like That, a podcast about Mad Men. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Mike Levito. I'm your other host, Kathleen Levito. And we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 4, Three Sundays. It's a lot of numbers in succession, almost screwed me up. Uh, any first thoughts on this episode, Kathleen? It has one of my least favorite characters in it. <laughs> Father Gill? Yeah, Father Gill. Not about that. He, I don't know if I'd say he's one of my least favorites, but it'll be interesting to rewatch and see what I feel about him. I like this episode. I like the way it's structured with the Three Sundays. Like how it shows you like the, you know, like the church bulletin or missile or whatever for each like at the beginning or something about that that feels very sort of like classic film, where you see like the the church bell gong and you see like Peggy holding mm-hmm. the piece of paper and it's like ah this is like Good Friday then Easter Sunday then whichever one's before Good Friday I don't I don't know um, <laughs> it, it's just like hold, I, don't, I don't know that might not even be a thing anyway Holy Saturday I have no I don't idea. know. We were raised Roman Catholic. We were. But the thing is, it's just like, it's Good Friday. It's the one on Thursday. And then there's just like, holy... No, Palm Sunday, duh. That's what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Forgot my liturgical calendar there. Anyway, are you ready for the synopsis of this episode? Yeah. Um, All right, so we open with Peggy at church with her mother, sister, and two young boys. She leaves the chapel because she says she isn't feeling well. Her sister says it's because she's hungover. But while she's there, she meets Father Gill, who's disciplining two young parishioners. They talk. He tells her she's going... Excuse me. He tells her that she's going to Peggy's sister's for dinner tonight and convinces her to go back inside the chapel. Meanwhile, at the Draper home, Don and Betty have overslept and are woken up by a phone call from Betty's friend Caroline, who, and they start planning a barbecue for later in the afternoon. Don starts kissing Betty, and they start getting intimate, and he tells her to cancel. She tells... Excuse me. Betty tells Caroline that Don isn't feeling well, and they have to reschedule. They start going at it, and then the kids barge in looking for breakfast. They send them downstairs for cereal. Everybody spends the time. Everybody in the Draper home. They spend their afternoon in the living room while Sally serves her parents Bloody Marys. Bobby plays with the stereo and makes the record skip. Betty tells him to stop. He says he didn't do it. They looks at Don, basically asking him to do something silently. He doesn't really do anything. They end up dancing to Perry Como. Back in Brooklyn at Anita's house, Anita's husband Jerry is laid out on the couch with a thrown-out back. Father Gill and the Olsen's friend Tootsie Yates, I had no idea that was the name of the character, but Tootsie Yates arrives. Anita asks Father Gill to say grace before dinner. Or not Anita, actually does. Um, Catherine, I believe is Peggy's mother's name, asks Father Gill to say grace before dinner. He says something very nice, but Mrs. Olsen then asks him if he's going to actually say grace, and then he says something a little more traditional. They discuss his guitar playing, his trip to Rome, Peggy's job. Father Gill offers to drive Peggy to the train stop. Before leaving, Peggy takes a picture of everyone but Peggy, who is taking the picture herself. Uh, in the car at the subway stop, Father Gill asks for some advice on writing his homily. She gives him some. In Manhattan, the Sterlings are out to dinner with, uh, the, with Margaret, their daughter Margaret and her fiancé Brooks. Um, Margaret's not interested in having a big wedding, but her mother is, and reminisces about her own wedding day, which makes Roger seem a little uncomfortable. The Drapers pile onto bed, Don and Betty's bed, and are having fun family time. 
Bobby jumps on the bed, causing it to collapse, which makes Betty very angry, and she sends her kids to bed before Sally tells them they haven't eaten dinner yet. It's 7.30. Betty takes them downstairs to make grilled cheese. Next workday, Pete and Ken are entertaining Marty Hasselbeck from Corton's bar, and then Vicky, a prostitute hired by Ken, comes in and starts fawning over Marty. Roger shows up to say hi. Vicky pretends to be Marty's wife, and Roger is quite taken with her. Bobby Barrett shows up unannounced at Sterling Cooper to Don's office to pitch an idea for a candid camera-esque TV show starring Jimmy Barrett, Cochran and Barrett. Don, is, Don gives her some advice. Kind of uncomfortable, but agrees that's a good idea. Bobby locks the door and comes on to Don. The next day, Roger comes into Ken and Pete's office to confirm a meeting with Hasselbeck and ask if he's bringing his wife. Ken tells Roger that the woman he saw, that, that Hasselbeck does have a wife, but the woman who Roger met wasn't her. You, you know, it's like, hey, she's a prostitute in so many words, and then offers Roger her phone number. Don comes home and finds out Betty has been sent to his excuse me, Bobby has been sent to his room for breaking the record player and lying about it. Betty wants Don to punish Bobby further. Don goes <laughs> goes up the stairs, walks into Bobby's room and goes, Mommy said you broke the hi-fi. I believe her. Don't do it again. <laughs> and then leaves. Betty's angry that Don didn't spank Bobby and says, you think you'd be the man you are today if your father didn't hit you? Which Don does not have at all. Palm Sunday morning, Don is making pancakes with Bobby and Betty seems angry with Don. The phone rings, and Don answers it to find Duck, telling Don that the American Airlines pitch has been moved to Friday, and that everyone is coming in on the weekend to work on it. During the phone call, Bobby burns himself on the stove. Uh, Betty comes in, yells at Don for allowing that to happen, and tells him that Bobby has to go to the hospital, and that if Don has to go into the office, he has to bring Sally with her, which excites Sally. In Brooklyn, Father Gill stops by Nina's house, but says he can't stay because a parishioner is taking a turn for the worse. He gives Anita a copy of his homily, since Peggy helped him write it which pisses off Anita. Don and Sally arrive at Sterling Cooper, and Don leaves Sally with Joan, who is not pleased with her new assignment. They all discuss the American Airlines pitch. Creative retires to Don's office, where they talk more in detail about the TV commercials, which Sal seems nervous about, the China patterns, and the in-flight menu. They don't really know what they have going on. They all seem nervous. Sally comes into Paul's office and asks a lot of questions about, um, about him, and upon seeing a picture of Sheila, his girlfriend, uh, after getting a little too personal, Paul tells her that her father will be very upset if he doesn't do her work and gets her to leave. Cooper steps on a piece of gum in his stocking feet and fires, uh, fires a secretary chewing gum. Duck tells her to go buy dinner for herself and come back the next day. And, uh, Cooper will remember firing her, and he thanks her for getting him to leave. Sally finds a stray glass of whiskey and drinks it. Don picks up the passed-out Sally from the couch and notices the empty whiskey glass that falls out of her hand. Peggy calls into Anita's, where Anita is still angry. Anita tells her mother that she's being too easy on Peggy, that she does whatever she wants and gets away with it. Her mother doesn't seem to care. Roger and Vicky liaise in a hotel room, and Roger convinces her to go to dinner with him. The morning of the pitch, everyone in the conference room is ready for the pitch until Duck comes in and tells them that Shell Keneally was fired that morning, and American Airlines is only coming to the meeting because they have to. Don is pissed at Duck. Roger talks about his love of the chase and the excitement of getting new business, even though he's really talking about Vicky. In Brooklyn, Anita goes to confession with Father Gill and confesses, quote-unquote, that she hates her sister because she got away with seducing a married man, quote-unquote, which is the first time that Father Gill has heard about this. Don comes home for dinner. He makes clear he had a bad day. Bobby is playing with a toy robot at the table and causes someone to spill their water or whatever, which prompts Bates to tell Don to do something. Don picks up the robot and throws it across the room, asks her that what she wanted, storms off upstairs, but he chases after him. They have a bigger fight. Um, Don's like, you know, kind of like alludes to violence a little bit. Betty pushes Don, Don pushes Betty, she leaves the room. The children have been 
listening to it the whole time. Don sits on the bed. Bobby comes in to apologize. Bobby asks about Don's father. Um, they kind of hug, share this moment. Betty comes in. She's still angry, but Don says he won't hit Bobby because his father hit him and just made him want to kill him, which softens Betty up a bit. Outside the church on Easter Sunday, Father Gill and Peggy say hello and talk about the homily that she helped him with. Father Gill hands her an egg, says, for the little one, and we get a shot of a little boy walking around. A lot going on in that episode. That's a lot going on. What is the theme? Fathers. Why? So many fathers. <laughs> and fatherly influences going awry. Yes. Um, where should we start? Who do we want to start with? Well, I think there's the very literal place to start with, which is the guy named Father. Father yeah. Gale. <laughs> um, um, the way I read that whole situation is that it's, you know, obviously um, Anita and Mrs. Olson are very taken with Father Gill. Um, maybe because they think he's kind of like handsome for a priest or whatever. Um, he looks a lot like a friend of mine from high school, actually. It's kind of funny. Um, but uh, I, I think that, you know, there's something to be said that um, the Olsen's father has passed away. Yeah. Um, and there, it seems like they're trying to replace him. And I, I think especially of, you know, the fact that Anita gets so angry that he seems to take a liking to Peggy more so. It feels like a very sibling rivalry mm -hmm. thing. Trying to buy for attention, I think, about sort of, like, the symbolism of, like, even when, you know, the one man in the Olsen family, Jerry, is there, he's completely useless. He's just lying on the couch, like, writhing his back to the of just watching the Yankee game. He can't even get up to open the door for when Father Gale <laughs> comes in. And the way they all kind of swarm around him, they try to make him the center of their home. They ask him to say grace. They take like a family photo later on that Peggy sort of removes herself from. So that kind of, uh, this sort of like surrogate, like people trying to like reach for a fatherly influence kind of mm -hmm. thing with, with the father girl storyline. Your thoughts? Same. And I think that it's like, they're clearly a lot more religious than Peggy is, and it, so it is almost also following in line of, like, oh, these are the roles set by the house. Like, they're also, not only are they using him as a father of influence, but they're also using him as, like, the one who does the, like, reprimanding and that kind of stuff, too, because it's, like, uh, you know, Anita goes to him for um, con uh, confession, and uses that time to, like, you know, complain about her sister. Mm. So he's she's also using it as the, like, like, um, like punish her, do something, like, you know, like, mm -hmm. I'm not making sense right now. Mm -hmm. um, but they're using him in two ways of having that actually male presence in the family where they're actually physically building around him. Mm -hmm. And they're also using the word that he preaches um, as being the word that they want their their morals to revolve around. Mm -hmm. I think in another sense, because they are, you know, relatively big in their, like, community, they go to, ch uh, uh, religious community, I mean, they go to church every Sunday and such, it's kind of like attaching themselves to him is in a way bringing themselves up mm -hmm. in, like, the social ladder, mm -hmm. where, you know, say someone were to marry someone in Don's position, that would be bringing them up in the social ladder of the New York business, you mm -hmm. know? So it's kind of a similar thing where, you're also leveraging the men in your household to bring you to a certain, yeah. you know, state of recognition. And it's interesting because that kind of, like, reminds me of a note I took where it's, like, we mentioned, like, in a prior episode where I feel like there's this dichotomy between, like, the Olsen household and, like, the, the Draper household and how it's, like, the sort of, like, 
I kind of describe as like the, the tension between sort of like you know Catholic household and then like the waspy Protestant household, mm-hmm. where it's like the waspy Protestant household that's like very wealth focused, very um, success focused, sort of like that. Whereas the Catholic household is like very family focused um, and all of that. And you know, and not saying that like that one's better than the other so much as just like the 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 pressure being applied is different. And I feel like you get a little bit of that too, where it's like. Um, like you said, there's kind of like this weird, like moral leadership looking for with the the sort of like, you know, God the Father, or yeah. like the Father, and then in like the, the 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 Draper's world, it's like Peggy goes to work with her father. Yeah, it's like church versus work sort of thing, um, and and she's sort of like you know, very literal like depiction of this is she starts drinking like he does. Yeah, um, and kind of adopting all of that, and and sort of like gets immersed in his world. Um, and sees the way he acts with, like, his subordinates and things like that. Yeah, and I think you can see that because in, like, earlier episodes where you see Peggy's family, they complain about how Peggy doesn't have time for the family anymore, and she doesn't want to stay for dinner. She, like, Mm -hmm. is always on the run. She's always working. And so there is that challenge of value, Mm -hmm. and clearly the family is very, like, Peggy is so different than the rest of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, and just, like, the, the, like, little references to, like, fatherly things, like, especially with the Olsen scenes where it's, like, they call him father, like, don't call him Gil, they call him father, which is weird. He talks about how he went to Rome to visit the whole, or not to visit the Holy Father, he went to Rome, so I was like, oh, did you meet the Holy Father? And he's like, well, it's like saying if you went to D.C., like, asking if you met the president. Um, things like that, like, the, Anita's, one of Anita's kids' name is Little Jerry, like, named after um, her, his father, Jerry, like, you know, I think Peggy makes a comment about, like, you know, Jerry being, like, useless or whatever, and it's like, he watched the kids all day, like, he did his job, right? Like, sort of slotting in, like, that duty of the the father. Um, I feel, like, obliged to say, again, you know, great depiction of sort of, like, white ethnic Brooklyn life. Yes. Um, you know, which we're descended from. Uh, really, really, they, they do that well. Um, see what else uh, is going on um in this um don I, I feel like this is sort of like one of the first we see don as like a father not for like the first time but for like the first time in a while and we see him like enjoying being a father um you know it, it's kind of a far cry from like early like early on the first season where there's a one scene where he's literally contemplating suicide as opposed to going back to his daughter's birthday party um <laughs> But here he's he has like a lot of fun like even if he is just kind of teaching his daughter to like make him a drink but like you know they seem like they have a really good time yeah. they're like bouncing on the bed like they have a lot of fun, um, so we get that side of Don and it, it's interesting because there's you know a lot of the shows about him being unhappy with his like personal life and then sort of burying himself in work but we see moments where he is actually happy and then. But the, the thing, the tragedy of that is even if he is happy doing that and, like, you know, he's making pancakes with Bobby and all that, is he then has to get pulled back into the office. So he really can't find a, a happy balance when it comes yeah. to things like that. Um, the the whole Roger thing, um, you know, when, when they're having dinner with, with Margaret and Brooks, um, you know, uh, Brooks kind of, like, plays to Roger. Um where it's like, it's like, oh, you're going to have a big wedding. And Brooks is just kind of like, oh, you know, like, whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. Like, he's deferring, trying to make himself look good, you know, in front of Roger. Um, and then uh, Mona, 
the uh, Roger's wife is like, oh, like one the, the big thing she sort of um, tries to guilt her her daughter into having a wedding is like, oh, like you know I you know I did the great memory of like dancing with grandpa. And she says I don't want you to miss out on that, which kind of like is uncomfortable for Roger because he's he doesn't clearly feel the same way about his wedding day, and also like it kind of reminds him of his impending death because you know he's had like two heart attacks already. Um, this idea of like oh like you know. Your father might not be around if you wait too long to get married. Even though she's only she's like, she was a teenager in like the last season. Yeah. She's like eighteen or whatever. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, so you know things like that. Um, yeah. And like Peggy, I have like weirdly gives fatherly advice to the father when he's talking about the homily. Yeah. There's kind of a role reversal there. Um, so yeah, there's there's that. obviously there's stuff with Don about sort of like the role of the father. Like, De- Betty wants him to, you know, physically punish their children, and he doesn't, because he reminds me of his father. He hated that. He hated his father. Um, he doesn't He doesn't want He doesn't want to be that kind of presence in their life, and there's the very touching moment at the end when Bobby comes in to, like, apologize to Don. He's like, it's fine. He's like, daddies get mad sometimes, and he's like, you know, what... What about your daddy? And he's like, yeah, he, he, talk, he, you know, he answers all these questions about him, which is the first time you ever hear about mm-hmm. his father. Um, and he says, we need to get you a new daddy, which is kind of like this very touching moment. It's like, yes, and, you know, the hug. And this idea of, like, the failing of, like, a, a good father figure sort of, you know, had precipitous effects. Um, anything else? I think that's it. I think in addition to actually seeing the father figures, you, like, learn a lot about, like, the morals of families, um, which we talked a little bit about, like, the balance of family versus, not morals, um, values, mm. like, family versus work, um, and what, to what, um, what standard are they holding their family to, or what are they using as the basis for, um, like, goodness, or is the word like like I think the standards they hold their family against where Peggy's family is clearly holding it against like the church those are the standards that you live Mm -hmm. by um and then Don is really having to forge his own situation and Betty is like very in a traditional mindset of like you're supposed to spank your children that's how you like you know reprimand them and everything and Don is like yeah I want to kill my like you see a lot of everyone's background kind of and Mm -hmm. how that fed into the way that they're trying to navigate their families now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, a few other things I jotted down is that, like, when Peggy's in the office, she's almost observing when she sees, you know, like, Pete and Ken and Paul um, and Peggy, really, she's kind of seen, like, her father's other children in a way, right? Yeah. He's, he's much older. You know, he's, like, 15 years older than, like, all these other people. And, and they're is kind of... Sally or Peggy? Sally. Um, and she's kind of watching her father... Like, you know, tell other people what to do. Um, even though they're much older than she is, you know, it, it's kind of like this... It, it's an interesting kind of setup of, like, oh, like, these are, like... He's also the dad in this in, yeah. this, in this environment as well. Um, and then you get to watch her be, like, in a moment, not so much be a kid, but be, I want to be, like, my father. So that's mm-hmm. why she's having a lot of personal conversation with... Um, Paul. Paul, where she's almost... She's acting... I mean, she doesn't know what she's doing, but yeah. she's talking 
about things that are older than she is. And then she starts drinking because she Mm. sees her dad drinking. And so there is that we see, like, already Don has made decisions based on the way that his father treated him. Mm. And now we see um, Sally starting to make decisions based on the way that she sees her father acting. Yeah, yeah. Um, It also, like, you know, it's kind of interesting, so they're talking about the airline ad, and I remember one of the original ideas for the Mohawk ad was the idea of a father coming home mm-hmm. and the girl like running to his arm saying like what did you bring me daddy so there's kind of like an interesting this this idea of like air travel and like flying away and and coming back and all of that it's all tied into the the fatherly stuff um yeah i think that that that's most of it um and anything else oh the, and the other thing the obvious thing is that like the lack, the the whole thing with Peggy having like a child out of wedlock, you know, there's this whole implication that there's a child out there without a father. Mm-hmm. Um, this leads you to believe that the boy shown at the end of the episode is Peggy's child. Um, so there's a lot there too. Just like it's really, it's not, it's not even father so much as like the absence of father yeah. in some way, and like finding ways to fill them in, and like what effect that has them being gone. Um, yeah. Anything else? I think it speaks well to, <laughs> to how well pa- um, Betty and Don know each other. That she didn't know he had an abusive <laughs> relationship with it, or his father abused him until like that moment right, when right. he like snapped at her. Yeah, she's like, I didn't know that, and it's like you've been married for how long? <laughs> you that never came up. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a weird thing to not mention. Yeah. 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 Not not a big share of that, Don. Um, should we go into our awards? Yeah. All right. So our Pete Campbell Memorial Worst of the Week. Who do you have? Roger. Okay. I don't know if I believe that. All right. I'm open to other names. I was gonna say Betty because she just kind of lobbies for oh, Don to be his kids. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we were on the father tree, and so I was only thinking about the male yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no Betty. Yeah. Yeah, Betty. And it's just like. <laughs> Don, do something, like, you know, just, she's kind of like, I mean, like, I'm not saying that, like, raising kids in the 1960s with an inattentive and, like, philandering husband is an easy thing to do, but we're all thinking, it's like, I'm outnumbered with them. Like, she clearly, like, is just very, has this very adversarial relationship with her kids, um, which will, uh, you know, we'll see that manifest in different ways as the season goes on, um. But yeah, I don't know. She she's just like, please, please hit them. <laughs> Which is like not a great thing to, to say. Um, okay, what about uh, do you have Roger Sterling Immortal Quote of the Week? Um, I do not. Not a lot of good ones from Roger, but I did have this one with Tootsie Yates, whose name I did not realize was Tootsie Yates, comes in and says hi to the father. She goes, Oh, sorry I'm late. I went by Greenwood to visit my son. Oh and yeah, he this goes, is great. I would love to meet him. And she goes, and then he goes, it's a cemetery. <laughs> um, okay, you ready for foreshadowing? Yeah. Alright, I only have four things. The first one is, this is one that keeps popping up, is that... Uh, Father Gill talks about how he went to Rome. Eventually the Drapers will go to Rome mm-hmm. to kind of, like, try and re... basically salvage their marriage. 
at a low point. And, like, Italy, kind of like the way California is in, like, later episodes, I feel like Italy is treated as this kind of, like, paradise almost. Um, as this, like, sort of, like, place away from, you know, these, like, New York concerns or whatever. Um, which I, I feel like makes a little bit of sense. Not that I'm an expert in this area, but, like, when you think about, like, the way sort of like Italian films kind of like were imported to the U.S. in the 1960s and the way like, you know, Federico Fellini or whatever, his movies were a big deal and were, were sort of considered like, you know, kind of like fanciful in a way and like, and just like not as sort of like gritty or anything like, like kind of like magical and fantastical and like, you know, opulent in a way. Um, it was sort of like this idea of like a European style, like liberation of like, you know, social mores or whatever um talk about the big wedding the sterlings do of course um margaret will end up having a big wedding but it will become completely smaller because she decides to get married the same week that jfk gets assassinated yeah. <laughs> just not it really really poor timing not not her fault obviously but just kind of sucks um there, there, there's a moment when they're trying to f so figure out what they're going to do with the ad campaign where Don comes out and he talks about like the future and Mary is the future and there is no past and like we're going to the moon obviously there will be an episode about the moon landing later on um, and then Don also describes uh, their sort of like ill-fated um, presentation of American Airlines is delivering a stillborn baby um, Don's stepmother um had lots of stillborn children because her husband was abusive. Her husband, Don's father, of course. Um, anything else? No. Okay. Any final thoughts? Not really. This is a pretty solid episode. Yeah, I like it. It's good. Um, the one thing I would say is that, so like I was reading Matt Solarsites' book, and his he doesn't talk about father so much he talks about like tradition um which i think is also like a pretty compelling like theme to look at where you know it talks about like you know obviously like there's the whole catholic thing um there's this idea of like you know the big wedding being a tradition of like roger having to relearn how to interact with a prostitute <laughs> is kind of like what they talk about um and then of american airlines like we're gonna break with tradition we're gonna be like you know new like the sky's the limit sort of thing um, and traditional roles of the father when it comes to corporal punishment and things like that. Um, yeah. Any, uh, anything else? That's it? That's it. Cool. Um, thanks so much for listening. This has been A Thing Like That, a podcast about Mad Men. Um, I'm Mike Levito. You can follow me on Twitter at mlevito, letterboxd at Ameramike. I'm Kathleen Levito. You can follow me on Instagram at Rise to the Sun. You can listen to our other podcast, The Real Life Oscar Challenge, on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, um, and SoundCloud. You can also find this podcast there, of course. You can find our podcast also on thepostwriter.com, where you can also find things we've written about on thepostwriter.com. Um, that's all I've got. Thanks, as always, to Matt Zolarsites and the Lip Sisters. You folks are truly giants on whose shoulders we stand. Couldn't do the show without you, even though I've never met you all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, until then, um, don't hit your kids. It's bad. Don't do it. <laughs> PSA. It's a good PSA episode. <laughs>